Let us pray together. Holy God, we thank you for your word. You expect us to live our lives as best we can in the spirit of Jesus. But you show us how to do that. So, today, may we learn a little something more about what it means to be a disciple of yours, to be more like Jesus in our lives. So bless our reading and hearing and thinking about your word, that we may honor you with the lives we live. In Jesus' name, amen. Reading from God's word, the book of the grumpy prophet Jeremiah, chapter 23, I'm going to begin with verse 1. Jeremiah is a gloomy person, and then he has uh, times and places where he speaks with some hope. So we're going to focus on the hopeful things today. Jeremiah 23, beginning with verse 1. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Pretty grumpy. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who shepherd my sheep, it is you who have scattered my flock and have driven them away. And you have not attended to them. So I will attend to you for your evil doings, says the Lord. Then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the lands where I have driven them. And I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will raise up shepherds over them who will shepherd them. And they shall not fear any longer or be dismayed, nor shall any be missing, says the Lord. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. And he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Reading one more time in year C in our lectionary cycle from the Gospel according to Luke, the 23rd chapter beginning with verse 33. When they came to the place that is called the skull, They crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching. But the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen ones. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do not fear God, 
since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we, indeed, have been condemned justly. For we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I will gather myself. I will gather, I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the lands where I have driven them. And I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We disciples of Jesus Christ live in the hope expressed by grumpy Jeremiah and in expectation that these words of St. Paul will also come true. Paul, quoting an old hymn, said, Therefore God also highly exalted Jesus and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Good news, right? Wonderful. Except we also live with the reality that it ain't so yet. We are not even exactly sure what that early hymn means or how folks in that day envisioned it would take place. We can even be sheepish about making such a public claim in our incredibly diverse and multicultural world. But here we are, on Reign of Christ Sunday, shouting at the top of our lungs, at least figuratively. Somewhere, maybe buried in our inner psyche, resides the hope that, we, that what Paul claims and what we affirm is and will be true. Because no matter what messes Christians have made of who Jesus is and what Jesus said, we cling to the notion that if, if we and others would only live more like Jesus, our world would be a better, more just, more peaceful more reconciled place, if, if. I agree with that sentiment, and I believe that this Sunday, Reign of Christ Sunday, affords us the opportunity to lift up that grand and glorious hope to the highest level of affirmation and acclamation. This Sunday marks the end of the liturgical year. Next Sunday is New Year's Day in the church. You have heard me say, I hope you remember this, um, and if you don't remember it from before, I hope you remember it now, that every year in the liturgical cycle, we make our way through the story of salvation as we mark the church seasons, Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, and, and all the rest. 
and as we plod through those days we call ordinary time. At the end of it all, that would be today, we boldly proclaim our belief that the days envisioned by grumpy Jeremiah are coming when righteousness and shalom and grace and mercy and love will win the day. In the life, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we have already tasted that earthly reality. However, the full reign of the Spirit and ways of Jesus have not yet become the ruling paradigm in our world. Do I need to spend much time convincing you of that point? That a lot of things out in our world aren't terribly Christ-like? Yeah, let's not. I don't think I need to. We know that. A whole lot of things aren't pretty out there in the world, though much beauty and goodness abound. Let's not forget that. We get all hung up on all the bad stuff, right? And we miss a bunch of the good stuff that is going on out there. So we spend this day hooting and hollering about the fact that God has claimed us in Jesus. God has claimed us. God has claimed us in Jesus. We celebrate that. We do this boldly on this last Sunday of the liturgical year before we plunge back into the acknowledgement of humans' fall from grace. And we begin again the search for redemption in the season of Advent. But that's next week. Today, we celebrate. How does this day and this truth impact us? We have learned that it is presumptuous, not to mention unproductive, to go out of our church doors and scream in in the streets what we believe and say in here today. We do believe that we have already tasted something of the victory of Jesus as we have come to faith in him and share in the work of his body, the church. We have also learned that when we take this truth out into park and post streets, we need to temper it with a spirit of Christ-like humility and servanthood. A spirit that, if we're honest with ourselves and the church, a spirit we have to admit that the church has lacked in ages past. We shouldn't have lacked it then, and we certainly now shouldn't declare bombastically that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the other side of that is that you are going to you know where in a handbasket if you don't join in or affirm our hymn of affirmation. That's not what we should be about. More than spouting it in our triumphalistic ways, We are called to show it and to live it in persistent service through the week. I have also said how much more impact on the world you all can have than than we pastor sorts. We generally hang out with a bunch of good people. And, uh, well, you hang out with a bunch of good people, too. And some other ones in there. 
you all are going to be much more successful in getting your family, friends, neighbors, and co-workers to consider the benefits of being a follower of Jesus by being like Jesus than by knocking on doors and quoting your favorite Bible passages to ears that really don't want to hear them. We find our courage to be Christ-like out there by banding together in here to share our stories and to support one another as we grow in our faith. We live in a multicultural world where we can't assume everyone will know and appreciate our faith history. We can assume that a lot of people, maybe even most people, don't anymore. When I was younger, it was more true than it is now. It is not that true now. I get unsolicited emails on a regular basis from from good Christian people who tell me that I need to be more in people's faces about the truth of Jesus at the core of my being. Because, they say, if we don't fight back, we will lose the battle to the secular forces. You know what I do? There's a little button on there, isn't there? Delete. It's not that I, it's not that I don't think that they're, bad, they're good people. That's not it. But, but I think they, they don't believe something about what the Bible tells us about God's salvation story and the truth we revel in today. I believe Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior for me and for the world. I believe that we are marching toward the day when every knee will bend and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The Spirit of Jesus, the Savior, who was derided as the King of the Jews on the cross, shows us that sacrificial living, even dying without resistance, points people, even hardened folk like the centurion, who was assigned to assure that Jesus would die. Jesus, by his self-giving spirit, causes people like that to live for him. A little secret. I, I don't panic too much. Occasionally I'll panic, but, but, but not very much. I think that when we Christians panic and set out to save the world, we miss the central aspect of our faith. What's that? The world already has a savior. I am as angry at injustice and hatred and hunger and ingratitude as anyone. When I seek to address those sinful realities with anything less than a joyful, servant-focused, Christ-like spirit, I am, in fact, expressing my lack of faith in God. Rather, I am beckoned to throw myself headlong into God's redemptive process in the world, and I am invited to join the effort uh, with the joyful, overcoming mind of Christ. I don't have to save the world. I just have to be as much like Jesus as I can be. Remember what Jesus said just before the soldiers showed up in Gethsemane's garden? John chapter 16. In the world you face persecution, but take courage. I have conquered the world. 
The tides of history are like ocean currents, ebbing and flowing day by day, era by era. This truth has been, this has been true since Jesus' sojourn on earth and indeed before. This will continue to be the case until Christ's return. We are called to remain firm in our faith and to do what we can to make our world a better place. Nothing less and nothing more. We also remain joyfully steadfast in our belief that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords, and he will reign forever and ever. And to that we say, Amen.